You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. How y'all doing? Good. Um, This morning, we just want to continue on in our Right Here, Right Now series. Last week, we discussed what it means to know God's love. We noted the difference between a head knowledge of Jesus and a heart experience with his love. This morning, we're going to move down the line in our process. So once we know God's love, our next step is then to grow in his love. And if you've been around the church world for any period of time, you've heard the term spiritual growth, right? Maybe you've heard a pastor or church leader say, hey, you need to grow spiritually. And that's great, and I 100% agree with that. But I think there's a lot of people that realize the need for growth, but they have no clue how to make it happen. So it's kind of like those gifts that you buy your kids for Christmas that come in this box, and the box looks really pretty, but there's a million parts inside the box. So you look at the box, and it's like, man, I can do this, right? Your confidence is sky high. And then you take out all the parts, all the bolts, all the screws, the little specialty tool it comes with because a regular tool won't work. And by this time, your confidence is taken a nosedive. But you're okay because there's instructions inside the box. So you pull out the instructions and you read all 127 steps and you're still lost and you have no clue how to put this thing together. You know you have to use these instructions to get it put together. You have the instructions right in front of you, but you still have no clue how to do it. And this happens to me often. If you don't believe me, you can ask my wife. Um, so this is how it works in my house. We get the box in, and it's like, oh, yeah, I got this. This, this is nothing. We, we pour the, and I say we, me, I pour the, the parts out, and she's usually off to the side kind of snickering already because she knows that there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. So I get it, and I start looking at parts and pieces, and I pull out the instructions, and, like, I don't even understand step two usually, and she lets me at least get started, and then she comes in and saves the day. So no shame, right? If anything has to be put together at my house, my wife puts it together. So you can make fun of me if you want to. That's cool. But here's the deal. I think that it's like that with spiritual growth in church. I think that people know that they need to grow spiritually. Maybe they even have instructions right in front of them but they have no clue how to get it done. How many of you have seen those blank for dummies books, like cooking for dummies or parenting for dummies or husband for dummies or whatever you have, right? Those are, those are my kind of books. This morning, I want to lay out some real practical ways that we could grow in God's love, kind of like spiritual growth for dummies. But for the record, I'm not calling any of you guys dummies. I just really want to break this down. And I want us to to get an idea of what it looks like. We're going to be in John chapter 15. We're going to jump around a little, but majority of our time will be spent in John 15. And I want to give you three ways this morning that we can truly begin to grow in God's love. So what you have to understand is that your, your specific details of growth are going to look different than the person sitting next to you. So I'm going to give you three general ideas of how to to facilitate spiritual growth in your life. 
But what that looks like, the details of those steps are going to differ depending on where you are in your walk with Christ. So three ways. The first way we can grow in God's love is by spending time in community with God. So let's look at John 15, and we're going to start in chapter 1. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So let's set this up just a little bit. So in our process, by this time, we've experienced God's love. We've, we've begun to follow after Jesus. We've, we began a relationship with him. So our next step is to grow in his love. So how do we continue to grow in love with someone? Right, that's a no-brainer. We spend time with them, as much time as we can. When I started dating Ashley, we spent a lot of time together because we wanted to get to know each other. I have no clue why she wanted to spend time with me. I was a horrible boyfriend. Uh, I'm an amazing husband now, but I was a horrible boyfriend. I'm not sure, but she wanted to spend time with me. It was probably the hair and good looks. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. So this is what this is what Jesus does here. He gives us easy ways to grow. And he gives his audience an analogy or some type of illustration that they understand. That's how Jesus taught. And all throughout the Old Testament, the nation of Israel was considered a vine or a vineyard. See, God had set them apart. Jesus here, though, is proclaiming that he is the true vine. He is making people know that it's him and only him. Here was the issue. People were falling into the trap of thinking because they had Jewish blood that it made them right with God. And Jesus came and said, hey, I know that's your mindset, but I'm blowing up that theology right now because the only way to God is through me. I am the true vine is what Jesus was saying. He was saying it doesn't matter what type of blood you have. It doesn't matter what skin color you have. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how smart you think you are. It doesn't matter how intelligent other people think you are. It doesn't matter how great of a status that you have in this life. You cannot experience spiritual growth outside of me. So Jesus is blowing up some theology of the day. So it's important to understand that this morning, that outside of Jesus, there's no spiritual growth. Outside of Jesus, there's no spiritual growth. Because we have chosen to follow Jesus, we are now a branch within the true vine. So there are many branches, there are many Christians, but only one vine. And the only way we can produce fruit, the only way we can grow spiritually, is to be in the vine. So what does that mean? What does it mean to abide in Christ? Three really quick things. Abiding in Jesus means having a life-giving connection to him. This connection is mutual. In this passage, we see that we abide in him and he abides in us. Abiding also implies dependence. So the aspect of dependence, unlike connection, is not reciprocal. So the branch depends solely on the vine, but the vine does not depend on the branch. Without the vine, the branch is useless, lifeless, powerless. 
So what happens is sap flows from the vine and it provides the branch with the minerals and the nutrients that it needs to grow. Believers, we receive the sap of Christ's grace through our life-giving connection to Him. We are completely dependent upon Jesus for everything that counts as spiritual fruit. Apart from Him, this passage says, we can do nothing. Abiding also involves continuance. In fact, the Greek word here for abide is meno, which means to remain or stay or continue. So for example, in John 1, two of Jesus' disciples asked him a question and say, hey, where are you staying? They wanted to know what Jesus, where Jesus' residence was. So the word staying is the same word translated here in John 15. So to abide is to reside. To abide is to continue to stay, to remain. So this shows us another aspect of abiding in Jesus is that it's continuing in Jesus. It's remaining in Jesus. This means that we go on trusting that we go on believing. It's not just a one-time thing that we do. This is a process and a lifestyle that we live. To abide in Jesus means to persevere in Jesus and his teaching. In John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. In summary, to abide means to be united to Jesus, to rely on Jesus and to remain in Jesus connection, dependence, and continuance. So, if abiding in Jesus is is what we're supposed to do, that's the instructions, that's what the box looks like, so how do we do it? How do we make it happen? So this is where I want to get a bit practical with you this morning. I want us all to understand exactly how we can abide in Jesus. Let's go to verse 7. Just read 7 through 10. John 15 says, If you abide in me, And my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. There are two things communicated here. Stay in God's word, and stay in God's love. So what does that look like? I'm glad that you asked. Spend time reading God's Word. Man, it's like, I don't really know if I can do that. Am I going to understand everything I read? Is it going to be interesting? Is it going to make sense? And the answer to those questions is no. It's not all going to make sense to you. It's not all going to be interesting to you. You could go to Deuteronomy and Leviticus, and I'm telling you, it's probably not going to be interesting unless you just want to learn a lot about laws and people killing people for doing certain stuff. But what I want to do is I want to boost your confidence this morning. I want to make this very simple for you. I'm not telling you that you have to be a theologian. I'm not telling you that you have to understand everything this book says. What I'm telling you is that you have to start somewhere. And what it looks like for you is going to be different than what it looks like for somebody else. Maybe you can commit to reading three chapters a day. Maybe three chapters is just too much for you. Maybe you need to bump that down to one chapter. And maybe for some of you, one chapter is just too much. You need to bump that down to just a few verses. Right? It looks different. But practically, we have to start somewhere. And this passage tells us to abide in His Word. 
to read the Bible. So here's the deal. Last week I said that today is not a day about making New Year's resolutions. Right? I'm not a huge fan of those because I can never stick to those. I've already failed one at work that we started before New Year's and I lost like the next weekend. I just can't do New Year's resolutions. So what we have to do is we have to make a right here, right now decision to start. Abide in his word and then abide in his love. Be relational with God. What does that mean? It means to talk to him. Well, how do you talk to God? Just like we're talking right now. I'm not telling you that you have to bow, bow your head. I'm not telling you you have to put your hands together. I'm not even telling you that you have to close your eyes and get on your, your hands and knees to pray to God. I'm telling you, he wants to be relational with you. Just talk to him. Tell him about your day. When you're mad at your husband, tell God that you're mad at your husband. When you're mad at your wife, tell God you're mad at your wife. When you're having a great day, Tell God you're having a great day. And I know that you're thinking, well, doesn't he already know all this? Yes, he does. But he wants you to tell him anyway. He wants you to be relational with him. So how do we do that? If we're going to get practical, how do we do that? We have to be intentional about it. So maybe on your way to work, you carve out some time to just talk to God. Maybe on your way home from work, you carve out some time. Maybe in the car line picking up the kids. You carve out some time. Maybe in the shower. That's my go-to. Again, you can make fun of me later. When you have three kids, that's your only free time in life is when you're in the shower. Maybe it's before you go to bed at night. And you say, well, I'm really tired. I'm going to fall asleep. But if you think back to some of those dating days, I'm sure there was nights that you fell asleep on the phone with your girlfriend or your boyfriend. Maybe that was just me because I love you. Ashley, so much. I just, we have to get this right. It's, it's so simple, but at the same time, it just looks so complex from the outside. The box looks really good. It looks really good to want to be that mature Christian and to, to abide in Christ and to, to spend time in His Word and to spend time communicating with Him. And it looks really good on the box. And then we dump everything out and everything in our life just comes falling out of the box. It's like, man, how am I going to put this together? And even maybe even you have instructions. People, people have kind of tried to give you an idea of how to grow. And it's like, man, these instructions, I understand that I need these, but they make no sense. And this morning, I want it to be as easy and simple as possible for you. Read the Bible and talk to God. That's how we spend time in community with God. Number two is this. We grow in God's love by spending time in community with other believers. Spending time in community with other believers. So let's look at the picture in this passage. There's a vine, which is Jesus, and then there's branches, which are Christ followers, right? So you're a branch. I'm a branch. Every, everywhere, branch, branch. What does that show us? It shows us that this is a picture of community. It's not just one person trying to do life alone. It's Christians doing life together, connected to Jesus, connected to the true vine. That's the picture here. What does the Bible 
say about this. There's plenty of passages, and I picked a few. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Galatians 6, 2 tells us to bear one another's burdens. And 1 Thessalonians were urged to admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with all. We see in James 5 that we are to confess our sins to one another and pray for each other in order to experience healing. And probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Proverbs 27, 17, says, iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. This is community. How do we make it happen? Again, so we see the picture on the box. It's community with other believers. How do we make it happen? Two things really quick is Sunday worship and life groups. Sunday worship and life groups. That's how we make it happen. What does Sunday worship look like? It looks like this. This is what it is. It's coming together with other believers and worshiping King Jesus and pouring out your heart to Jesus, pouring out your heart to your Savior because He's worthy and because you have a a fellowship with other believers. And we praise God together. We open the Bible and, and we get instruction. The Spirit speaks to us through His Word. And we do that together in fellowship with other believers. Sunday worship. And then life groups. What's a life group? I'm going to tell you what a life group is. A life group is a small group of people who simply do life together. And fortunately for every single person in this room, we're launching life groups in two weeks. If you have any questions about life groups, you can see Pastor Andrew or Pastor Daniel, and they will be glad to share with you about the groups that we'll be having. What do life groups do? So if we look at the verses we just read, this is what they do. They stir up one another in love and good works. They encourage each other. They discuss burdens and pray together. They help one another through life. A life group brings branches together as they are abiding in Christ. And they begin to grow in God's love together. And guess what happens? So here's the cool part. The community doesn't stop. Maybe your life group meets every other Sunday. Okay, just an example. But you guys have been doing life together. Y'all have been growing in God's love side by side. Now because of this life group setting, you have a community of believers that you're in constant contact with. It's not just a see you in two weeks type of relationship. Even though the group only meets every other week, that's not how the relationship works. It becomes something much greater. So listen to this. Maybe you lose your job and your life group's there praying with you and praying for you. Maybe you got a promotion at work and your whole life group is celebrating with you. Maybe somebody's sick. The entire life group is taking care of them. Someone had a baby. The entire life group is preparing meals to be brought to the house so mom and dad don't have to worry about it. And by the way, you didn't just have a baby. The life group had a baby. Maybe you're having some relationship issues and the first person you seek out is somebody in your life group who has wisdom, who's been through the same type of struggles. And they begin to walk through that 
with you. Or maybe you're, you're dealing with some sin. And again, your first call is somebody in your life group that's been struggling or has struggled and overcome that. And you guys are praying together. You guys are claiming victory together. You guys are declaring freedom together. This is what it looks like, biblical community. And I want to illustrate this really quick. So I need four volunteers, only ladies. Anybody? Stephanie? Taryn, can you help me? Yeah, Ross, you're not a lady. Logan and Cassidy. So really quick, I want to illustrate what this looks like. And you, you ladies can just stand down here. And Taryn, Taryn's going to be the focus of this. So Taryn, come stand here and just face this way. So this is, this is everyone, okay? Taryn is everybody right now. She's going to represent you. And this is where Taryn is right now. But that's over there where that speaker is. That's where Taryn wants to go. That's spiritual growth. That's where God's calling her. But for some reason, she's stuck in this spot. Maybe she's just having a bad week and she just can't seem to take that next step. Or maybe she's struggling with some type of sin and she just she's bogged down and she can't move. Maybe there's sickness or death or, or whatever it is going on in her life and she's stuck. You're stuck where you are. And this is what happens. Stephanie, just grab her hand. So... Somebody from your life group, they start praying with you. They start praying for you. And then you take a step together. And then you, you just kind of get stagnant again and they're still praying. And then somebody else in your life group grabs your other hand. Logan, will you grab her hand? And, and they start encouraging you. And they're telling you that, that God's got this. That God's in control. That I know that it's hard for you to take that next step. But we're with you and God is in control let them guide your steps and they take another step and and man they they're getting somewhere they can look back and see where they were and they can still look ahead and see where god's calling them and here's the cool part the the rest of the life group comes behind and they're helping you and they're pushing you don't push your real hard they're pushing you push and then they're walking together they're doing life together and this is what it looks like and they get to where God's called them to be. So they were over here, stuck. They couldn't move. And then the community comes and they grab them. And they walk together. And here's the cool part. Taryn is celebrating and praising Jesus. That he brought her from where she was to where she is. But it's not only Taryn. Your whole life group is celebrating with you. Because they got to experience the growth. It's not just you. Community helps everybody grow together. This is what biblical community looks like. Thank you all. Biblical community, this is what it is. God never intended for us to do this life alone. Stop trying to do it by yourself. And this is one of the hardest things for me personally. Because I have this mindset that, man, if Dustin can't do it, I don't really know who else can do it. And I can fall into that trap. And I'm being honest with you. I want to be transparent with you this morning. I'm, my brain's just wired to, to solve problems. My brain's just wired to, to try to take care of business. And when I can't, then I just kind of back up. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we call on other people in our community to help get us to where God's called us to be. Man, you have to get it. 
We're created to long for community. Spending time in community with God and spending time in community with other believers. Don't neglect meeting together. Don't neglect biblical community. Your growth depends on it. Your spiritual growth depends on it. The final way we could grow in God's love is spending time in the community sharing your story. I don't know when this happened, but at some point in history, it seems like Christians were given some step-by-step instruction to go and talk to people about God, and that was the only acceptable way to do it. And I want you to hear my heart on, on this. I do believe that there are certain techniques that work best to lead people to Jesus. But that's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about here is that you simply tell your story. That you, you tell people what God's done for you in your life personally. And again, this is going to look different because your story is not like everybody else's story. But God does call us to at least tell our story. Here's the cool part. God saved you from something. You were lost, broken, undeserving, weak, full of sin, without hope, and God saved you. God saved you. And all he wants you to do is share that story with other people. It's your story to share. Here's the... Charles Spurgeon said this, I was once without hope, now I have the hope of the world. I was once confused and anxious, now I have a peace that passes all understanding. I was once depressed, now I have a joy that's unspeakable. I was once lost with no direction, now I have a loving God guiding my every step. I was once angry and cold, now I have an unconditional love that's overflowing. This is your story. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. First Chronicles 16.8 Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the people. Psalm 107.2 Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from trouble. Next 26, 29, as Paul is in prison and they ask him to share his story and what he wants people to know, and this is his response. It says, and Paul said, whether short or long, I wish to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day, all who hear my testimony, all who hear my story, might become such as I am, a Christ follower, except for these chains. Guys, it's clear to me that Scripture teaches us to share our story. We have been redeemed we have been saved from darkness into His marvelous light. So again, let's get practical. How do we do it? How can we share our story? And I just want to give you one way. I want you to understand this, but it's to be intentional about opportunities. I'm not telling you to go and seek after people and go and beat people over the head. What I'm telling you is just to be intentional about the opportunities that you have. You talk to people every day at work, at the doctor, at 
school, at the grocery store, at the gas station. You get the point, right? There's people that you communicate with every day. Look for an opportunity to share your story. Here's the deal. Again, I'm not telling you that you have to beat them over the head with this Bible. I'm not even telling you that you have to quote Scripture to them. I'm not even telling you that you have to lead them to salvation. What I'm telling you is just share what God's done for you. If you don't feel comfortable helping them take their next step, you have a community of people that can help you. Lead them to someone else that can help them take their next step. But at least share your story. And a side note, don't patronize. I'm going to tell you a quick story. My second grader, who was very bright and intelligent and beautiful and sweet and loving, uh, she was terrified to tell me a story the other day about something that happened at school. So as a good father, parenting for dummies, I bribed her to tell me the story. And her and one of her really good friends were talking, and I don't know how the conversation came about, but they were talking about God. And her friend told her that she didn't believe in God. So at this point of Addison's story, I'm thinking, well, this is going to be good. Like, I just, I have no clue what she told her. Um, so this was her response. Well, I don't know if you knew this, but people that don't believe in God go to a very bad place called hell. Uh, so yeah, so your kids are learning about the gospel and impact kids, right? Amen. So, but here's the thing. I'm not telling you to walk up to somebody and tell them they're going to hell. I'm just telling you to tell your story. At least she had a relationship with the girl. I didn't get a call from the school. So I think all's good. Be personable and kind with people. Be loving and genuine. People care about authenticity. Be authentic with people. Have a relationship where your story actually makes an impact. And through your sharing of your story, guess what happens? You begin to grow spiritually. Well, how does that happen? Because you see God start using you and start working through you and it motivates you and it inspires you and you just want more and more and more. And spiritual growth begins to happen. So let's put this all together. We're going to wrap this up. How many How many of you have ever How many of you have Legos at home? So Legos is probably the coolest toy in the history of toys and it still is. Like you just can't beat Legos. How many of you have ever stepped on a Lego? Yeah, so very painful, like so much so that like it could make a preacher cuss. Not me, of course, but it can happen. It's painful. Well, what are Legos designed for? To build something. Can one Lego build something? No. They're designed for connection. They're designed for connection. You connect one Lego to another. And I was going to bring an illustration up for you with a nice thing built from Legos. But if you remember that story I told you at the very beginning, I'm not really good at building and Ashley said she wouldn't do it. So I don't have that for you. But to wrap this all up, we're just a bunch of Legos in the world of Jesus. 
branches connected to the vine. And maybe one Lego, right? We could step on one Lego and it's going to hurt. And maybe people can even look at one Lego and they overlook that Lego. Maybe one Lego doesn't really have a, a lot of impact. It can definitely help. It can definitely have impact. But you start connecting these together. And man, nobody steps on a huge house built of Legos. Nobody does that. These Legos start connecting with each other and the impact is just out of this world. These branches fed from the true vine, Jesus himself, connected together, begin to impact the world. Spiritual growth begins to happen. So we have to spend time in community with God. We stay in his word and we talk to him. We spend time in community with other believers. We worship together on Sundays and we join a life group. And we spend time in in the community telling our story. Man, community is important. But it's also scary because it creates some type of vulnerability in your life. And people begin to to maybe learn your past or learn your stories. And maybe you feel the pressure because people are sharing their stories with you that you have to have the answers. Or maybe even coming on Sundays is difficult because you know that your lifestyle just hasn't really been that great leading up to Sunday and you you just feel like there's going to be a lot of judgment. You know the conviction is going to be strong and it's just hard for you to just walk through the door. But you're here this morning for a reason. You're already participating in community. So you spent time this morning in God's Word and talking to Him. You spent time this morning in Sunday worship with other believers. Some of you are going to sign up for a life group today before you leave. I just know you're going to do it. And some of you are going to have opportunities to share your story today at some point, tomorrow, this week coming up. And I I want you to have the confidence to do that. I want you to know that you don't have to quote scripture. I want you to know that you don't have to have all the answers if people start asking you questions. Just simply share what God's done in your life. He's pulled you from somewhere. He saved you from something. I want you to think about where you are stuck and how that community of people can get you to where God wants you to be. Today, today is a day to make decisions. Today is a day to say, you know what, I'm done just doing church and nothing else in my life is changing. Today is the day to say, I want to experience true life change. I want to start being transformed into the image of God. I want God to do something different in me than He's ever done before. I want to make an impact for the kingdom like never before.
And it's not for me, and it's not for you, and it's not for Impact Church. It's all for the glory of God. It's all to make an impact for God's kingdom. It's for people to truly know God's love and then to become disciples of Jesus as they grow and follow after Him. Don't leave this place this morning without making the decision that God's calling you to make. Now, I want you to just forget about the people that are around you because their, their mindset or their thoughts have no bearing on your relationship with Jesus. They can't get you to heaven. They can't get you to grow spiritually. You have to make the decision. So what decision are you going to make this morning? We all have next steps. My next step looks different than your next step, but we all have next steps of faith to take. So my prayer this morning is that you decide right here, right now, to take your next step. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.